the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM560, the answer. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. You've tuned into Black and Right. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. And leading that revolution are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Good afternoon. Welcome to Black and Right with Charles and John. Uh, before we get into our show, we want to say a quick hello to a special guest. I was uh, working on an event that I'm trying to do, which you'll hear about soon, and I was reaching out to conservatives all over the country. And this person, this little quirky conservative, not only did she reply, I was like, hey, come on my show. Let's talk about some stuff. So when she said that she was coming to Chicago for a conference, I said, and she said let's do lunch or something. I said, no, why don't you come into the studio? Now, hopefully we can get her to speak because she's shy, even though she has her own show. And she says she's going to be quiet, but welcome Sonia Schmidt to the I show. I am so not going to be quiet. <laughs> I knew you were you setting know what? me up. I called them on their first show just to wish them luck and say congratulations, and they cut me off. And where were you when you called? I was in Whole Foods. Who does that? Calling <laughs> from Whole Foods. You off for the record. It was uh, Charles. Okay. I saw him. So I'm not going to keep quiet, but I'm, I'm here to see how the big boys do a show. I'm up in yeah, my little living hour. room and... I'm very impressed with what they do here. Well, thank you. Well, let's see if you feel the same way at the end of the show. So we have a really, really interesting topic here uh, today. You know, I'm following John's lead after our first show, which was pretty powerful. And last week we talked about American descendants of slavery. You know, John said, Charles, that was great, but we should probably do something like this week, the next time. And I said, you know, okay. So in deference to John, today's topic is a light topic. We're doing white supremacy. Uh-oh. And John came ready because he's wearing the new Klan hat on today. Soon, I hope at some point we, uh, we're streaming where you can watch us. But in case you can't, uh, let me describe it for you. It's red. It has white letters on it. Make and it says, make America great again. Why are you wearing it, John? Well, I'm supporting my president. President Donald L. Trump, Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States of America. I prefer Donald L. Trump. He's, <laughs> he's my favorite president, but uh, I guess we'll go with the other. But before we get into the topic, uh, you did have something you wanted to say about the shootings in Philly. Yeah, you know, I, I really want to thanks so much, Charles. Um, John Anthony here. You know, before we get started, I want to wish the speedy recovery to the six police officers that were shot in Philly this past week. And I, I quickly want to just list their name. Michael Ginter, Nathaniel Harper, Ryan Waltman, Justin Matthews. Sean Parker, Joseph Burkitt. I think I think we fail to remember that these men and women who run into these places when shots are fired against them, that their mothers, their brothers, their sisters. And I got a clip that I want to play that I think um, when you listen to it as a as a former police officer, as I heard this clip, I really everything within my being just went small because and then, and then seeing the video of the shots being fired at these cops. Roll the clip. Stand by. Car stand by. Second assist. 3750. 115. Shots fired. Shots fired inside. 
And you know, to to see that right after this, two days later, that there was a rally for the individual that shot at these six cops, it's disgusting. Yeah, not only that, they were attacking the police while they were there. They were laughing at them when they found out the shooter was primarily targeting, targeting police. And then I saw some of them throwing shoes and throwing things at them and yelling profanity for them. I mean, it's, this is not a good thing. You know, I, you saw, I started to see this back in 2000. And uh, actually, the last year I was actually on the street was in 2012. You started seeing some of the hatred and some of the, you know, the issues rising up with cops. And I, I thought back to what if that was me? What if that was my brother who's out there on the Chicago police force right now? A couple of my friends that I have throughout, you know, the United States of America that are police officers. You know, I I just wanted to quickly say, you know, to all those who are out there serving us, you know, and protecting us, I got your back. Keep your head on the swivel. Definitely. Um, Let's keep them in our prayers. Uh, So white supremacy. (laughs) So, you know, after the El Paso shooter and his specific attacks on Hispanics, uh, many people were quick to blame white supremacy and the president uh, for those attacks. And then it started to die down slowly. And then it resurfaced when Tucker Carlson called white supremacy a hoax. You know, so we decided, you know, we're going to discuss white supremacy and and the supposed rise of hate crimes. Give us a call at 312-642-5600 and let us know what you think about that. If you think that white supremacy is one of the biggest issues facing the country, uh, what you feel about hate crimes and what we should do about them if it's a a big threat. Um, I think the uh, attack on Tucker was a little out of context because if he were saying a white, little? yeah, because if he was saying that white supremacy didn't exist, then you would say that guy's crazy. But you know, it, I, and when I heard it the first time, I was listening to Joe Joe Walsh's show and he mentioned that. I was like, well, that is kind of crazy. But then I watched Tucker's show and listened to it in context and, and watched what he showed in the video before and after. So you know, it was not that he was saying that he was saying this overhyped fear of it is kind of is the is the issue and the part that he's saying was a hoax right and and the um and it's kind of like we're going to be talking to someone soon who wrote a, a book about hate crime calling the hate crime hoax and i don't think he's saying that there's no such thing as hate crime and it doesn't exist he's pointing out the fact that people are fearful of something more fearful than they need to be and, and i think when you heard tucker speaking he was speaking to the hoaxes of not just white supremacy but he was also talking about the Russian hoax. All of this combined hitting now towards this president. Look, I, I get very leery as a former politician. Everything leads back to politics. Everything, all of this is leading back to 2020. That's, that's the bottom line to all of this. This white supremacy, the hatred, the, 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 the racism, the racist, all prejudice, bigots. All of this is leading back to the 2020 presidential election. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that's true. When people have, what you're saying is people have... Um ulterior motives for what they're doing, but what they're doing is dangerous, right? Creating this fear. And what I always said, you know, I wrote about it in my first book, Logic, The Truth About Blacks in the Republican Party, and this was seven years ago, and, and it's still true today. I say, you know, not only can you say, you know, Don Lemon, for instance, saying that what we need to fear is white men, but... I, I, I give them a pass in a sense, but the same thing with black men, right? A lot of people, you know, p- people clutch their purse or they say black men are dangerous. And I say everything, everyone needs to calm down and put it in perspective. Instead of comparing black and white, just look at the crime within that um, group 
overall. Right. So you say that, you know, crime amongst blacks is seven times that of white, but, but you're missing a part in the equation. You're not putting the final number. It's just how high is it? So if you look at just the black community, you're talking about crime of, of you know, violent criminals of one to three percent. So that means 97 percent of the people aren't violent. Just really quick, Charles, as a former cop, crime happens in, in all communities. Equally, right. trust me. Right. It's just not reported because it doesn't fit the agenda in the other racist communities. Well, coming up, we'll talk to an authority on hate crimes and discuss how, the prevalent, how prevalent the problem is and what we should do about them. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. This is Black and Right on AM560 with Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right with Charles and John. That is a perfect song, the logical song. We deal in that. So uh, before the break, we were discussing the dangers of white supremacy and hate crimes and, you know, pretty much how blacks should stay in the house and remain safe. And now we're pleased to be joined by the author of Hate Crime Hoax, Wilford Riley. Wilford Riley is an assistant professor of political science at, uh, science at Kentucky State University in HBCU. And in Kentucky's capital, he holds a Ph.D. in political science from Southern Illinois University and a law degree from the University of Illinois. Professor Riley, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Glad to glad to be on the air with you guys. Well, yeah, I think you're going to really uh, spend these next 10 minutes or so teaching some people some stuff. So let's start with the book. So hate crime hoax. That's a powerful title. And obviously you use empirical data to prove your argument. But some will say that you are discounting hate crimes. Obviously, um, that, that argument's weak, but doesn't the entire premise of hate crimes foster inequality? I mean, the laws are impossible to administer, and then you're basically adding value to a life based on, you know, certain scenarios. So, you know, if you shoot a guy and kill him in a drug deal, that's worth this price, but then if you kill your girlfriend, it's a little bit more, but if you do it because of this reason, it's more. So it's basically saying, you know, certain lives have more value and all lives, in fact, don't matter. Yeah, well, that that's a very good point. And that's a problem with hate crime laws, at least potentially in general. So, I mean, as you know, the idea of hate crime laws is that crimes are, as we say in criminal justice, amplified if you commit them against certain categories of people and you're motivated by, quote unquote, bias. So if you see someone wearing a Donald Trump hat or a Che Guevara shirt and you punch them in the face, that's probably not a hate crime because politics are not protected. Mm-hmm. Uh, social class isn't protected. You mentioned if you slap your girlfriend or your boyfriend, that generally can't be a hate crime unless you do it because, say, they're a feminist. But if you attack someone because they're black or because they're an Irishman or because they're from another country, that would be a hate crime and you'd be sentenced to about twice what you otherwise would have been. So a lot of people would argue that that is unethical. Hate crime hoax actually has a slightly different approach. I mean, what I do in the book is look at many of the very high-profile, widely publicized recent hate crime incidents over the past decade or so, and I note that a lot of them, I mean, you're talking about Jesse Smollett, we recently saw Erica Thomas, uh, the awful Nikki Jolly house fire, Covington Catholic, Yasmin Saweed, the heat job attack, Eastern Michigan, Air Force Academy. I really could go on for half an hour about this, but a lot of them have turned out to be, most of them, in fact, among the high-profile cases, have turned out to be fakes. 
So I look at why this is, why we've sort of incentivized perhaps this presentation of victimization. Why is it considered a powerful thing to be a victim? Uh, in that Mr. Smollett, for example, tried to use that to get an entirely new television contract. Right, right. So uh, that's true. So I would say one like you started to run a few of them off, which means some people who don't know the book, please pick up the book. It's great. But they would think that, well, there's five or six or seven. I want you to quickly just throw out the number. How many, uh, just that you listed in the book, obviously they're not all because you didn't mention uh, Jesse Smollett in the book, but how many uh, cases did you uh, uh, research in the book? Yeah, I mean, there, there are hundreds. So you're right. It's, it's not just those few cases. I mean, putting together hoax, I was able to pretty easily compile a data set of 409 confirmed hate crime hoaxes, uh, almost wow. all of which occurred in the past five years or so. And that's since grown into a set of 608 case studies, which includes well over 800 individual hate hoaxes. And again, you're talking about in almost every case within a decade or so. There are a few cases that stretch back before that, like Tawana Brawley. But this is pretty frequent. I mean, at one point, I estimate that at least 15% of hate crimes, at least among publicized cases, have to be hoaxes. There are less than 7,000 reported hate crimes in a year. Uh, probably less than 10% of that number receive the kind of coverage that would let an ethical national researcher really track them down, really see whether there was a conviction in the case. So out of, you know, 700 over, you know, the past, over a typical year, within a decade, you have roughly that number of very prominent hoaxes. Wow. So, I mean, th this is not a, a, a situation where you have one or two outliers. This is extremely common. It's especially common, I'll say, on college campuses. Right. Hey, hey Wilford, this is... most of these campus incidents are, are fakes, in my opinion. Hey, Wilford, how you doing? This is uh, John Anthony. Uh, we're talking with Wilford Riley, author of Hate Crime Hoax. Hey, look, um, so I used to be a legislator here in Illinois. And okay. one of the things that I did was I tried to test the boundaries of hate. So, you know what I did? I introduced okay. a hate crime bill. And for police officers, um, this bill <laughs> did not get a hearing. This bill <laughs> did not even make it out of the rules committee uh, because of uh, basically what I was trying to do was test that test what those limits of hate. And what, what are your thoughts about, you know, something like that being introduced nationwide when you look at everything that's happening with police officers as far as a, that being introduced as a hate crime bill against police officers? Well, that's a great question. I'd have to say, um, you know, not the best answer, but I'm completely on the fence because I don't in general think hate crimes laws are a very good idea, but I am pro-law enforcement. This, the idea of what should be covered by the hate crimes laws is actually coming from that legal background, a bit of a tricky question. So when we think of civil rights in the United States, we tend to think of what are called the classic protected categories. And you guys as African-American academics know that comes from the civil rights acts. You've got what race, sex, um, you've got national origin, some of Italian, Irish, Greek, you've got religion, and that's pretty much it. You could argue maybe skin color. But in recent years, there's been an attempt to dramatically expand the civil rights laws, and this has become very controversial, almost its own civil rights movement. So do LGBT individuals get protection? I.e., if someone comes out and says, I am gay, I'm going to express that very publicly, can you then not fire them? What about trans people, the disabled? So hate crimes laws in recent years have been expanding. And this is a big reason for the quote-unquote surge in hate crimes. Well, well, well so we're in here in Illinois, it is protected. I, I, I just got one question because we're coming up against a hard break. Now, you know how you, you, these hate crime laws have been enacted throughout a lot of um, um, legislative bodies. But I, uh -huh. I was sitting and I thought about it and I read, as I was reading your book. I thought about something. How can blacks be charged with a hate crime if they can't be racist? 
Well, the, the answer is that they can be racist. When you're really out there with cops and lawyers and so on, and you're black business people, I mean, these crazy ideas that you can't be racist if you're Puerto Rican, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't apply. Right. I mean, it, if you're charged with a hate incident or something like a rape, I mean, you can't say, well, I'm a member of an underrepresented group, so I'm innocent. That's, that's <laughs> not how that's going to work in front of the judge. But but it's interesting you say that because it goes right to my next question. You talk about how prevalent it is, it is and people want to obviously wonder why would somebody do this? Uh, obviously, there's cachet in it. But I say I'm a solution based. So how do we solve the problem? I'm wondering why aren't the hoaxes taken as seriously as the alleged Hate crime. So when you say that there's a hate crime against me, every there everybody jumps up and they go over this extreme, and you prove it in many cases in your book. But then when they find out it's a hoax, eh, it's either no charges or they want to go light on a guy. So if you if you got great upside for making this stuff up and no downside for doing it, why would you stop? Well, that's that's exactly the problem. I mean, where do you see the most hate crime hoaxes? So let, let me emphasize, and I, I think obviously none of us is a racist. We all want real criminals captured. Right. If you hear about hate violence behind a biker bar or a tough black club at closing time, a racial fight, that probably happened. Where you see the majority of hate crime hoaxes is on these sort of coddled academic campuses uh, research areas, a few elite senior high schools, that kind of thing. And in that situation, you do see so many of them because there is very little punishment. Right. If you say on the campus of, say, the University of Missouri, um, you know, Oberlin, something like this, that you are the victim of a racist attack, there are going to be massive, assuming you're not wildly hated on campus, there are going to be massive marches, rallies and support, events hosted, and if the oh, attack the music is exposed coming as up, a host, uh, Professor Riley, the music. you want to uh, stay over after the break and give us a couple more minutes, or do you need to go? Sure. All right. No, we'll no, be... I'm fine. I'm relaxing at home on Saturday. <laughs> I, throwing, that's throwing what you meat. should so, yeah, be I'm, doing. I'm, I'm, I'm staying on the show. Cool. Uh, you're listening to uh, Professor Riley talk about the uh, hate crime hoax, his book. And we'll be back in just a moment on Black and Right, AM 560, The Answer. time we had and now more of black and right on am 560 here are your hosts john anthony and charles love welcome back to black and right with charles and john we are on with professor wilford riley the author of hate crime hoax and uh, quickly uh, we have a guest here sonia smith and she wants to ask you a question but in your book sure. you you referenced uh Glasner's culture of fear. And I talk about this all the time. I don't know if you were listening to the show before we called you, but I was talking about how everyone, when everything gets hyper, I, I, I try to give people perspective and tell them that crime has been going down depending on their age. If they can think back to the late seventies and early eighties, it was much worse. Yes. And, and violent crime is lower. And especially if you want to se- separate, separate hate crimes. So while you're thinking all these white men are going around attacking you and then white people are saying, well, crime amongst blacks is so much higher. That, that is even a low percentage uh, of the overall uh, population. You're talking about 97 to 98 percent of blacks aren't committing crime. So people need to stop being so afraid of uh, these uh, crimes, much less the hate crimes. Correct. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I think, and again, I, don't, I just want to keep saying this, but it's a good conversation. That's an important point. So most Americans think that almost everything negative has increased in recent years. 
you regularly see Facebook and Twitter posts saying things like, we millennials have it harder than any previous generation. In fact, as a World War II doughboy or one of Martin Luther King's marchers could have told you, that's absolute nonsense. Uh, rates of racism among whites, racism among blacks, crime among both of those races, immigrant crime, hate violence, all of that is down dramatically from, for example, the crack epidemic of the mid-1980s. I think what we have right now is more media. And people ranging from LeBron James to Will Smith to Joe Biden have made this point that only a fool would think that there's more racial fighting between blacks and whites today than there was in 1965. The difference is that now we have camera phones. Well, we must have a lot of fools. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people believe what they see. And what we have right now is a 24-hour media cycle combined with a social media cycle that's designed to help people be afraid. Mr. Riley, you've just led into my question talking about the media. These hoaxes are, they're, they're propped up by the media and they're considered truth by them. And when they do issue an apology, it doesn't dispel the, the lie that they came out with. I was heartbroken recently when the Covington Boys case went, it was thrown out of court, basically. Yes. I'm wondering, is, is there a way to hold the media accountable for lies that they actually could have found the, the truth out if they did a little bit of work? I actually think uh, legally, yes. Uh, two short answers uh, would be actually enforcing the libel laws, one, and two, actually in the law, enforcing the publisher platform distinction. Uh, this might not apply to traditional media as much, but what players like Facebook say, Google say, for example, in terms of how they rank media results is, well, we are not responsible for what others say on our service, even if you're talking about a major media outlet or a popular blogger like Tim Pool or something like that, because we are a platform. We just let everyone speak freely. We're not a publisher. But now, as both conservatives and Afrocentrists have pointed out conclusively, that they're being censored by the major media and social media players, I think it would be fairly easy, actually, to rein in media and say you are claiming to be platforms. This is a bit technical, but it's important, but you're behaving as publishers. Uh, I think that, combined with enforcing the libel laws, could actually make the media kind of keep its own house in order a little bit better. But you guys are absolutely right when you say... These incidents, when they're first presented, like the Covington Catholic uh, altercation, become national or international news. They receive billions of clicks from around the world. The Covington Catholic video on YouTube, I think, has 500 million hits. And when they're finally exposed as lies, that's done in agate type in page 26 (laughs) of the Leisure and Pet Cat section of the paper. Right. So a lot of people don't know that these incidents have collapsed. I I would assume that if you go to a middle-class black neighborhood and you ask the average person about, for example, the Erica Thomas uh, fake hate crime, where a congresswoman claimed to have been attacked in the store by a white man, they would say, well, yes, that happened, and it's a shame. Uh, In reality, it turned out that the guy was a Cuban-Hispanic guy. He was a far-left liberal. Thomas started the altercation. But all that always comes out on page 12, and it rarely has the same impact as the original story. That that is correct. Professor Riley, uh, before we go to the break, I want to give you a chance to promo your book. I noticed you got an upcoming book coming, but I have to say, I laugh. People, you have to pick up this book. I uh, love when you, uh, I'm sure this was intentional, your continuing oppression narrative that was repeated in your book, because it's it's an acronym for con, because what they're doing is really trying to con people. And uh, tell people about the zebra killings. I didn't even know about that one quickly. 
Well, the zebra killings. So one of the themes in the book is that the people that buy ink by the barrel, that old insult of Twain's about the media, control what we see. So one of the points I made, uh, first of all, as you guys said, interracial crime overall is extremely rare. So 84% of white murder victims and astonishing 93% of black murder victims are killed by people of their own race that they knew. person most likely to kill you is your ex-wife. So that is or husband. So that's a fact. But when interracial crime does occur, it is around 80% black on white or minority on white. And that itself isn't all that surprising. It doesn't mean that we are racist. I mean, there are more white people and they have more money. White people make up around 65% of the country. But the media intentionally manipulates this by focusing about 90% of stories. You can check this just with a Google or Lexus search on these very rare cases of white on black crime. And that's why people feel that there are Nazis out there everywhere, even though there's very little interracial crime and it's mostly black on white. But the zebra killings, simply put, a group of black Muslims in the modern media era, I believe early 1980s in San Francisco, killed something like 70 people. They said that they were fighting against white devils. Uh, They took to riding around on the subways with machetes and things like this hidden in bags and purses. Uh, they were chopping people's heads off in alleys just before widespread camera surveillance, bringing them back to the sort of central headquarters. And this is something that no one's ever heard of. And that, to me, was an example of how complete a media blackout can be. Yeah, I didn't even hear about that one. Uh, pick up his book. You'll find out uh, this and a lot more. He has an upcoming book, Taboo. He is the author of Hate Crime Hoax and the upcoming book, Taboo. Professor Riley, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks very much for having me. Coming up, we'll talk to our next guest who's working on addressing racism from an important and interesting angle. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560 The Answer. It's the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. It's Black and Right on AM560 with John Anthony and Charles Love. Welcome back to Black and Right. Give us a call at 312-642-5600 if you have a... Uh, some input you want to tell us your feelings on the hate crimes, racism and those things uh, and how we can deal with them right now. Uh, we're pleased to be joined by our next guest, Eric Wallace. Eric Wallace is a, um, is a publisher. He runs the freedom Jur- journals Institute. He's the president and co-founder. Um, he holds a PhD in biblical studies is an ordained minister and is a former second congressional district candidate eric welcome to the show hey thanks charles and john hey what's going <laughs> me on saw you here too <laughs> don't forget about me i came oh, all I'm the sorry, way to I'm chicago sorry. for this yeah so, <laughs> so um i don't know if you've been listening to the show we've been talking about um white supremacy and hate and things of that nature and i wanted to have you on because uh, Eric uh, had an event a couple months ago and I went and he showed a promo for this powerful documentary he's working on technically a docu-series because he's going to do it in several parts and he really needs help to get this uh, put together uh, he'll give you a website or someplace where you can go and see it because it's really powerful before we talk about it I want to play just a couple minutes of it here uh, so you can hear what it's about Hi I'm Dr. Eric Wallace President and co-founder of Freedom Journal Institute for the study of faith and public policy And I'm here today to tell you about a project that we're really excited about. It's called Racism in America and the Role of the Church. We live in a time and day of conspiracy, a threat to the poor, a threat to the have-nots. Don't shoot, it's a cell phone! Don't shoot, it's a cell phone! You all think it's cool to kill black people and then get on paid leave? Do you think that's cool? We're joining this series because we believe that the black church 
needs to hear another voice. There's a voice out there that is secular. Do you think it's gotten worse? Uh-huh. Do you think it's gotten worse? Yes. Why has it gotten worse? Look at all the fights, the riots, people getting killed. Society as well as the media are pushing the narrative that there's a resurgence in racism in America, especially with the rise of, of groups like Black Lives Matter and other protest groups. What percent of the white community is racist in your mind? 99.9%. 99.9%. Yes. If it's not overt, it's internalized. What percentage of the black community is racist? Let me say this. Black people cannot be racist. It's tearing the church apart. And I believe it's time for the, for the church in general, and the African-American church in particular, to have a, a, another voice that has a different point of view, a biblical worldview. It's hard to reject love. I have never seen love lose a fight. That we just don't react out of our emotions, but we actually try and figure out what is happening. There's a narrative out there that says that black men and women are being targeted. And the question, is that true? This is the face of supremacy. This is what we deal with every day, being African-American. And if it is true, then what is the church's response? If it's not true, then what do we do about those who are trying to perpetrate this lie? How can we lead the way if we can't figure this whole thing out? Racism in America and the role of the church. Wow, that's powerful. Wow, Eric. <laughs> that is awesome. If you can, and if you can see the video, you will love it. And it's another two minutes, actually, where he breaks down different categories. So uh, tell the people more about it. Well, uh, you know, we, we started this because we, we felt like... Um, you know, the, the, the left was, was having its heyday, you know, talking about racism, and they've actually weaponized it. You know, you know if you say anything to, dis, to disagree with anybody of a person of color who's, who's a liberal, I should say, now they're conservative, but they're a liberal and you disagree with them, you're a racist. And so um, I decided that there, were, there had to be some, another voice out there. Somebody had to speak up and say, hold on just a minute. Because I even heard the same thing coming out of some of my colleagues in ministry. And I'm like, why are you taking this secular position? Why are you running out with Black Lives Matter when you haven't done the work to find out whether they're actually telling the truth or whether they're perpetrating a lie? And so, you know, I, I, you know, when I got involved in this some time ago, I said there's, there's letters in front of my name and there's letters behind my name because I'm ordained minister and a PhD in biblical study. I said there's some, there's some doors that will swing open for me that won't swing open for other people. So I need to use this to, to actually look for truth and actually speak truth. Uh, to people who actually want to find it. And if people are interested in watching this video, they can go to um, racisminamerica.net. That's racisminamerica.net. Net. Excuse me, racisminamerica.net. Just one dot net there. <laughs> or, they can, or, or, or they can download the, um, the, app, the app. We have a new app for Freedom's Journal Institute. Go to your uh, store, your app store on your phone or your tablet, and then type in Freedom's Journal Institute. It should pop up. Hey, Eric, it's, it's this on is John. The, it's in the app as well. Hey, John. Hey, Eric, this is John. Hey, you know, I, I got to just let the radio audience know. Uh, we're talking with Eric Wallace. I've known you now. I've been married 19 years. I met you 21 years ago um, through my uncle, Hiram Crawford. Um, I got to tell you, most people don't know that you've been on the front lines on this war and this, fe- this fight for if, even longer than 20-some-odd years. Um, I always looked at you as the Nathan of, of the black conservative, somebody that's willing to speak truth to power, to speak, speak truth to government. But in, in your opinion, do you believe that uh, the church has abdicated its responsibility in the race war? 
Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the other reason why I want to do it is because, uh, you know, we've, you know, we, we've, to a certain extent we've, we've sold out. Um, we've allowed, we, we've, we've joined up with the secular, uh, uh, liberal establishment, listening to them talk about how, you know, we're being targeted and you have to ask the question, well, how are we being targeted and where are we being, where's the evidence for all of this? Um, and they can't produce it. Well, well, so they, it, Go ahead. I, I look at it, you know, as <laughs> you you know politics, I know politics. Uh, I look at a lot of this as in related to the 2020 election that's coming up, especially the on and the onslaught of everything racist, everything white uh, white privilege. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on this whole the you know the hate crime hoax? The as, <laughs> as our um, last uh, caller said talked about, you know, it's 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 amazing what's actually going on. And the victimhood mentality of everybody's a victim now. Um, people now, the white privilege. What are your thoughts on some of those those words as they as as as, as you heard them? Well, I I, I think you know you're, you're right. It's being used. Uh, for 2020. They're afraid that some blacks are gonna. They're always afraid that some blacks are gonna leave the Democrat Party and, and go to the Republican Party, and um, and so they have to gin up this whole thing about racism, and that's the thing that gets that gets our people excited. Um, you know, if you know if you see anybody with a you know, um, we could say this guy is a, is a, is part of KKK or he wears a, a sheet or something. Whether you got any evidence or not, you just throw it out there and it, and we get like Pavlov, Pavlov's dog, you know, response. Well, it's great to have you. We're going to have to do a longer segment with you. Uh, we're going to do this topic again. When we return, we have something uh, excited to tell you all. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. Good talk to you. Back to Black and Right with John Anthony and Charles Love on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Black and Right with Charles and John. Yeah, we're at the end of an hour again. It goes by quick. Wait a time. Uh, before we go, John has uh, something to le- to uh, exciting to tell you, and then I have something I want to leave with. Yeah, so uh, I told everybody on Facebook that we had some exciting news. Uh, Charles is of the belief we can't talk about everything, so... Really quickly, next week, Charles and I will be broadcasting live from the Illinois Conservative Union in Bolingbrook. Are you guys excited? Are you excited, Charles? Wow, we're doing a remote already? We're we, already. We must be doing something. We're in high right? demand. High <laughs> demand. People are wanting to Yeah, so uh, thanks to uh, Carol Davis and Babette and crew for inviting us and uh, putting up with our craziness. And uh, it's at the Bolingbrook Golf Course, correct? That's what it's going to be. Yeah, the yeah so I mean, next, that's like a 15-minute ride. Next Saturday all day. Uh, you're excited just because of the commute, right? <laughs> yes. So, yeah, look forward to that. Uh, that's going to be great. Get your tickets. Um, go to illpack.org to find out more about it. Sonia, thanks so much for joining us. Thank Sonya. you for having me. You were and great. You know what? I think I'm going to stay because I want to go to the event next week. Right. So if either one of you will put me up at your home. Okay, we I got you. i happy to be there. Okay. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know awesome. uh, what's going to happen in uh, California without you, but you're welcome to <laughs> True. stay. True. Uh, I wanted to leave uh, this week's episode with something uh, pretty powerful and, oh. and, and important. Um, so John and I, we were, we're planning out some um, topics going forward. We got a lot of good ones co- coming for you. And one little teaser is we wanted to talk about America great America's greatness. And uh, a lot of people push back against that, and I think it's uh, true and it's important. And I know that there are groups who say, well, there's, you know, we talked about white, su- white supremacy today, and they talk about all these issues we have, and we do have some issues. But my thing is it's always about perspective, right? So it depends on how you look at things and what you compare it to. 
just like when you compare black and white, you ignore the fact that even within the black community, the crime is not as bad as you think it is. When you compare us to, you know, the bad things that happen versus the good, as opposed to comparing everything that's happening in the country, you kind of miss out on some things. So I don't know if you've heard about it. I, I don't know how you'd miss it, but the protests in Hong Kong, uh, they are fighting for freedom. Um, they were an area occupied by the, by the Britons for uh, 150 years, and mainland China is trying to uh, take some control, and they're pushing back against that. And um, they've had a lot of things. It's been going on for months, and you know it kind of picks up depending on what happens in the media. The other day, I think they shut down the Hong Kong airport, and that's when it uh, re- went up in the news even more, John. I, I think it's funny because when you think about we had a former president who said, you know, America wasn't just exceptional. You know, everybody else thought they were exceptional. I, I, I believe in America's greatness, not just its greatness, but its exceptionalness. America is exceptional. It, it, is, it is one of the – that was my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking around like this, Mark. It's, 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 the, it's the greatest country to ever uh, be in existence, and I am honored to be here. I'm honored to be able to wear my MAGA hat yeah, and not uh, worried about anybody I don't know about running all that, up but, on me. But, yeah, that's why it's important. What I'm saying is that it's all about perspective, right? So you can point out bad things, but you can't point out bad things and say, see, America's not great because somebody shot somebody. Somebody just shot, walked into a store and randomly shot 20 people. And that's sad. And it's unfortunate and we need to do better. But when you compare, when you say America's great, you're comparing it to other areas. So you have to say, what freedoms do we have or what do we have that other areas don't? So if you look at it from a small lens, you miss out on things. So back to Hong Kong. So these people protesters fighting for their freedom, fighting against, you know, Goliath in the uh, Chinese mainland. And a group of protesters wanted to express how important their freedom was. And so they got together and they did this. We're going to play leave you with this clip. And they were doing this. Keep in mind, while waving the American flag, this is uh, black and right with John and Charles. Uh, we'll see you next week. And this is what they did. And Christ us through the perilous fight Oh, the ramparts we watched Were so gallantly streaming And the rock cast red glare The bombs bursting in there Gave proof through the night And our flag was still there Oh, J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.